Shit We've Read is a proud member of Bilo Network, a network of geeky podcasts. Please visit shitweavered.com to support the show. Now, let's talk about some books. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Shit We've Read, a sci-fi fantasy book podcast hosted by some geeky friends. I am Laura Benson and I'm here with my co-hosts, Jason Rico. Hello, that's me. How's it going? <laughs> okay. Also here with Bella Romero. Hello. Hey, you guys. <laughs> and we're excited to have uh, Sarah Marie Hawkins back with us. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you back on with us. We had a lot of fun when you were with us for um, episode eight, Gear Breakers. Yeah. It was a good conversation. Glad to be back. Yeah. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. I think this has been on our list for a little while, uh, and it just came out, so we made sure to schedule it. So we're excited to talk about that tonight. But first, I want to know, what is the other shit that we're reading? Um, Sarah Marie, would you like to share? Um, what else am I reading? I'm reading, oh, I I can't remember the title of it, but it's the, let me look. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I am currently reading Fire and Blood um, by George R.R. R. Martin. It's kind of the... Oh prequel oh. to everything it's what the new show is based off the house yeah. of dragon right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just i might be reading that next because i was like i love a good source material yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool is that a standalone or is that a series it's a standalone okay all right so it's finished all right good job <laughs> <laughs> let's see how well they do <laughs> yeah that's that's the next well, the next see. thing yeah, that's why I'm like, I might be reading that. I mean, so far I like the show, so, but I, I, I do like to compare notes, especially <laughs> with Game of Thrones. <sighs> well, what about you, Bella? What am I reading? A very different tone, a very different genre. I've been, I mean, as our listeners have already heard, probably in our the last two podcasts I've recorded, that I'm still very deep into historical romance right now. But I just started A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall, which is really fun. And the Duchess, wait, I forgot what the series is called now. Um, but it's the it's Tessa Dare's like Duchess series, but it's called something specifically. And now I'm just totally <laughs> blanking on it. Uh, maybe Girl Meets Duke, I think, is the series. But yeah, so just uh, just a lot of historical romance. It's just the easiest thing to like fall asleep to. I know the tropes by now. I know the formulas, how it's going to go. So it's just been really fun. I have so many on my loans shelf. I won't even read them for you guys. They're all some variation of like a lady, a duke, a duchess, like insert into title here. So cool. Jason? Yeah, you mentioned how uh, the book we're discussing today just came out earlier this month. Well, what else came out earlier this month is the Sandman TV show on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so I have been making my way through uh, the Sandman universe comics. The Sandman. So I started with the first volumes that the TV show is based off of. Um, and then I jumped forward. I've already read all the old comic books. I don't have to read all of them again. 
what I did is I jumped forward to the newer Sandman universe, which is an imprint from DC Comics that was launched in 2019. Uh, they launched four new titles. Um, and then I think some other ones have joined since then. But I never really read the new stuff. I read that first one shot that was released that teased the four different directions they were going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been slowly making my way through Books of Magic, The Dreaming, uh, House of Whispers, and... Um, Oh, I'm blanking on the fourth. Oops, sorry. Whoever is writing that book. But yeah, so I've been making my way through that and um, should be finishing that up in probably the next couple of days. Yeah. Nice. I uh, It's been so long since I read the original Sandman comics that I didn't remember a whole lot. So I liked watching the show because I felt like I could still judge it separate from the source material. Um, but it was good. That's a good show. I'm, I'm planning really to go back good. and read them too. So yeah, anybody listening, if you haven't watched that show, it's it's super good. You don't have to be familiar with the comic books whatsoever. Uh, my mom and my sister watched it, and I got a text from my mom maybe about a week ago. Uh, she's like, "Do you recommend the Sandman books?" And I was like, "Yeah, they're really good." Uh, yeah, she's like, you do know it's a comic book though, right? That they're not based on novels. She's like, "Yeah," I'm like. And yeah, if I want to borrow him, go, go for it. So <laughs> she's going to read them. Um, I'm kind of excited about that. But uh, yeah, Does your cool. mom usually read comics? No, that's why I made sure to clarify. Is like You knew, yeah. you do know these are comic books, not not Aww. books. There's pictures in these, right? Like, um, yeah, <laughs> not a lot of they, words, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess they like them enough to to read it. So I'm pretty excited. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I love that and, for you. You get to bond with your mom over a comic I know. Series. That's cute. Little yeah. baby Rico, I'm sure, is yeah. very happy. <laughs> the younger yeah. Rico is like, oh, mom, we get to talk about comics. Yeah. Where was this 15 years ago? Uh, so, oh, no, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Now you went <laughs> sad kidding. and depressing. Jeez. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Moment. No, luckily, I had really supportive parents who are like, reading is reading. So. That's good. Uh, what about you, Laura? Um. Well, I have been kind of reading two things simultaneously which i've not done in years um i started reading i just finished reading a psalm for the wild built by becky chambers i did not really know what i was going to be reading when i opened it i couldn't remember what the synopsis said i just know that it had to do with a monk and a robot which it is a series called joke it's just, it, it is actually a series <laughs> called Monk and Robot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but Becky Chambers is an amazing author. And so I was just like, I'm just going to read it anyways. And like this book made me cry in a good way. Oh. By the end, I was like, I literally just tears everywhere because it was mm-hmm. just it was the message that I needed. <laughs> and so I recommend it to everyone. It's it's also a novella, so it's a really quick read, and I uh, I'm excited to read the second one. I don't know if there's going to be more or not, but um, and then I also hopped on the audiobooks um, and started the Firebird series by Claudia Gray. So I I listened to a thousand pieces of you and ten thousand skies above you, which is like um like a multiverse hopping kind of story which is really uh really interesting i really like the concept behind the multiverse and and 
it's also kind of, I guess, a romance at the same time. Uh, it's kind of weird sometimes. Um, but yeah, if you like romance, but you also like sci-fi multiverse stuff, probably like this one. There's a third one that I'll I'll probably get to soon also, but I'm big on this on the multiverse stuff too. So I have been enjoying that overall. Claudia Gray has written, I think, three of my favorite Star Wars novels. Uh, really? So that's, that's my experience with Claudia Gray. So yeah, that series is on my list too. Yeah, I finally got to it because I was like, I wanna, I just want to get to, I need to get to more books. I want more stories, and so tried out the audiobook so I could play it in the background while I'm doing stuff. So, yeah. Speaking of Audible and then earlier Sandman, another plug. If you, <laughs> you haven't listened to the Sandman Audible adaptations, those are also very, very good. Just, just You know, I've been up. wondering, I've been wondering how they adapted a graphic novel to audio. Oh, they, yeah, they're really good. It's, um... So I read the comics and then I listened to the audio audible adaptations and then I watched the show. So I was able to compare all three. Oh. Uh, yeah, but they're they're good. They're 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 not as in depth as a comic or even the show, because it is just audible audio. Um they read very much like old timey like radio dramas mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh. Just very kind of quick and just a lot of dialogue and then narr- narrator comes in, it's like and then Morpheus turns to blah blah blah, you know. But I still think they're really good. Full cast, full production, sound effects, great voice cast. So just another plug for Sandman. The Sandman. Okay, let's get to the book, the the featured book of this episode. Again, it's The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. I believe this is her debut novel as mm-hmm. well. She calls it a, she said it's a contemporary fantasy or a speculative fiction book. Let's see. Bella, would you like to read the synopsis for us from Goodreads? Happy to. Okay. Out on the Yorkshire moors lives a secret line of people for whom books are food and who retain all of a book's content after eating it. To them, spy novels are a peppery snack. Romance novels are sweet and delicious. Eating a map can help them remember destinations. And children, when they misbehave, are forced to eat dry, musty pages from dictionaries. Devin is part of The Family, an old and reclusive clan of book eaters. Her brothers grow up feasting on stories of valor and adventure, and Devin, like all other book eater women, is raised on a carefully curated diet of fairy tales and cautionary stories. But real life doesn't always come with happy endings, as Devin learns when her son is born with a rare and darker kind of hunger, not for books, but for human minds. I just want to jump in and say that that last bit about uh, her son being born with a rare and darker kind of hunger did not remember that part whatsoever going into the book. So I was a little surprised. <laughs> I can see where you were shocked. Cause yeah. it starts off pretty hardcore on that uh dark hunger. Yeah. <laughs> so I think before we get into that, maybe let's start with some content. <laughs> I think this is an appropriate time yeah. to warn our readers. From the author, these were the content warnings that we were provided. Body horror gore, explicit violence, domestic abuse, and violence against children. But we, after talking a little bit, added cannibalism, specifically eating brains, and sexual assault. We did feel like that needed Mm -hmm. to be explicitly warned Mm -hmm. of. There is a lot of blurred lines sort of discussions in this book. So 
Yeah. Well, I guess let's just jump into non-spoiler impressions then of of this book, um, keeping in mind also those content warnings. Um, what what did you what did you guys think of it? Who wants to go first? Well, okay. So I already said I, I forgot that last line. I mean, when I first added this book <laughs> to my Goodreads list, I mean, months ago, the thing that I remembered was book eaters, people who eat books. And I'm like, I'm sold. But it, that was months ago. So this book was not at all what I was expecting. Again, most of that is probably due to my own expectations rather than like anything the book was promised. But I thought this book in general was really dense and perhaps one of the strangest books I've ever read in a good way. It is all at once, like a really very real story about motherhood and traditional gender roles and patriarchal systems and bodily autonomy and personal freedom, queer identity and love. But also it's a fantasy about these like almost vampire-like creatures, but also horror and kind of a spy thriller mixed into. So it's just like a lot all thrown into the pot. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like every other chapter, I was like, wait, this is, this is a different flavor I'm getting. Wait, where is this going? What's happening? And so a lot of times I was just kind of lost um enjoying it but lost and it wasn't really until about like 70 percent of the way into the book that i was like oh this is what's happening this is what the story finally is now i know where we're going and so now i'm into it uh but in, but until that point i was just like i'm just happy to be here <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a great way of describing the book um yeah i feel like depending on the chapter that you were reading because it's told from different timelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at times you're in the present day and at times you're like 12 years in the past, 20 years, five, three, two, one, six months. Um, I think depending on where you are in Devin's story, you do get a very different book, which I think mm-hmm. was what made it hard at times to like follow it was like, there were some chapters I was really involved in and some that were a little bit more like, not, I don't want to say mundane because it's not the right word, but more like uh, practical. Like we need to talk about this to get to the next chapter um, mm-hmm. where there's going to be something bigger happening. Um, a little bit more about like, you know, her normal life, like the present day, what's happening. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back to that other part with the brains. What's happening? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you get kind of broken up into pieces. I also kind of thought of gothic fiction when I was reading this Mm -hmm. book um, just based on the setting where you are Mm -hmm. very dark and dreary and sort of that supernatural like unreliable narrator feeling like when Devin's in the other houses and they're not telling her things it felt more like sci-fi gothic if that's even a category that I can describe because you have a sense of like time and place are very blended um especially you know as the book progresses we learn a lot about Devin's past and in those moments where we dive into her past I, I'm trying not to give too many spoilers away but it 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 just kind of got into that sort of like gen, genre bending like of flavors of horror um with a sci-fi t- angle on it so I really I really liked that part of it I really liked the parts where we were in the manors um which is where these families reside for those of you listening who have not read the book. So you spend a lot of time in these like various different English manners. Um, 
which I'm always a big fan of, historical fiction is set there. So I was already, I was very on board for those chapters. Um, but yeah. I'm really glad you said gothic because that was something I was going to bring up later. This, this book, yeah. heavy gothic vibes for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, and I think that's really, it's, it's so interesting because they're book eaters that there were all these different genre elements. I think that felt pretty organic to the plot too. What about you, Sarah Marie? Well, for me, um, when Rico first came to me about like, what book do we want? What, what month do we want you to come on? And what do you want to read? Here are kind of the books that we have. I didn't read anything about it. <laughs> I didn't look at the synopsis. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go blind. That's fun, right? I even, even book eaters, just the thought of that, I, I did not realize it was literal. Um, so <laughs> when I... <laughs> When I bought the book, like I pre-ordered it, it, it came. I was like, great, awesome. I'm going to set aside some time tonight to read it. I was a little floored because, again, I just hadn't read the synopsis at all. Uh, didn't know what I was getting into, but was pleasantly surprised. Um, I do agree with Bella. There, like, like we said before, this is on multiple timelines, um, but the parts of Devin's past, be- I guess, well, I don't want to give too much away, but there is a very distinct mood change between the two especially when she's younger and I'm like how did you get here what I want to know the in between but I want to know the back how did you you know you were here and now you're here and I I was more interested in the backstory of Devin and her childhood there were a lot of things about it that uh because they were isolated in these manners that I wasn't quite sure what year this was set in at first um Mm -hmm. until a little later on there were some things said and I was like oh this is fairly modern Mm -hmm. Uh, I did really like that and I think there are some parallels to uh growing up in a very conservative a very uh sheltered environment that that hit me because that's how I grew up um so that was kind of what I wanted to, I got, I enjoyed all of the chapters, but I think I rushed a little bit to get back to those other parts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else did that. And then I would, for, and then I wasn't getting everything. So I kind of had to re-listen to things or reread them. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was a very um, ambitious first novel. Yeah. Uh, like, I was like, where did this world come from? This was your first novel I I started looking her up because that was the other thing I did not look up the author prior to reading the book Uh, I didn't want to look up anything I wanted to be surprised and so I was really shocked that this was her first one because there's I mean she created a whole world and a whole like lore Mm -hmm. that I partway through the book was like are book eaters in lore I'm gonna look it up and and they're not (laughs) she created a whole a whole nother uh, like fantasy creature that I was convinced while reading the book that this was based on something else and it wasn't. So uh, hats off to her for that. Yeah, it, it was a, uh, she also was, she did a really good job in general of, of balancing a lot of the, the um, deeper, more serious topics also. Mm. Yeah. I pretty much agree with all of you guys. <laughs> I I think that I had a little bit of a different experience 
trying to get through it though because I I was having some rough weeks while I was trying to read it so then I tried to do the audiobook but the audiobook was not holding my attention very well and so then I kept missing things so then I just had to go back and read it so then I just felt like it was taking forever for me to finish this book. I love the lore of it. I I I think that the the more serious things in it were done well as I mentioned but at the same time I don't know that I was in the right mindset mindset to read this book because mm-hmm. it is very much about women's experience women's trauma and there's things in it that just kind of made me uncomfortable which you know I think is it it was good because it explains certain situations and how women feel and and like you know tries to help the reader understand what Devin is going through as a woman and so I thought that was really great but I was just not personally in the mindset to sit there and read that kind of thing so I wonder if maybe like I enjoyed it but I wonder if I would have enjoyed it more (laughs) if I had read it at a different time yeah because like, you know, Jason, you said it's it's a very dense book. Mm-hmm. And and that's a very that's that is a very good word for it, but it specifically applies to certain aspects of it. But uh I I I will also say, um, Sarah Marie, I was also kind of getting the religious kind of vibe. You brought that up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, I would say that I, I I enjoyed it. I think she did a really great job. Um, the author did a great job for, especially for being a, a debut novel. Uh, do we want to jump into spoilers then? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. yeah, let's do it. All right. Spoiler warning: If you have not read this book and you don't want to hear what happens, come back later, <laughs> or just keep listening. It's up to you. Okay. Um, so spoilers. I just want to say that when I was reading this, first of all, I also didn't read the synopsis other than I knew that they ate books. So I didn't really know what to expect, but I thought it was a fantasy. She calls it a fantasy, but reading it, I was like, is this really a fantasy or is this sci-fi? Because they're, they're, they're from an alien an alien created them like way back yeah. in history. And I was like, doesn't that, does that make them science fiction then? Wait, what the fuck? Did I miss that? <laughs> you definitely did, Rico. What are you? Are like... you reading the wrong book? <laughs> no, no, I no. Okay, so you mentioned earlier uh, you're listening to the audiobook, but the audiobook was hard to get into. I started off with the audiobook, and it was mm. difficult. And there were plenty of times where I just like, what the fuck did I listen to? So it must have been during one of them. Yeah, it's when they talk about the creator. Yes, I actually put that in my notes. <laughs> Holy Jason, shit, I this is for you. <laughs> it says the book eaters themselves tell wildly unbelievable legends of the collector, an extraterrestrial being who created them to look humanoid and who placed them on Earth for the purpose of gathering knowledge, book eating, and sampling human experiences, mind eating. And then they mention that throughout the book. Wow, I should you really read this book. That, you know, this was. <laughs> that- <laughs> It was almost lore to them too. Like maybe they had oh, been true because they there was no more communication about that. That was just what they were told. 
they were created as because it was passed down from multiple generations. So there's a little bit of um, like going back to religion, a disbelief in multiple generation or the next generation, because it's just what my parents told me to believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Jason, do you remember the mention of the collector? <laughs> I don't remember, no, I don't remember that at all. No. <laughs> He's like, man, man, I should reread the book. <laughs> I, I was not a fan of the of the narrator. I'm sorry, like whoever. I wasn't if, either. If anybody wants to look, well, this is the audiopoic, I would say avoid it. Also, I was not a fan. I yeah, I got that of, warning just in time for me. Yeah, there was, was there was a it. part where I, I'm pretty sure I was dozing off slightly, and I came to, and I didn't really know like. <laughs> how long maybe i'd slept or not but like what was going on like i wasn't lost that i was like oh maybe i didn't maybe i didn't miss anything uh but i must have just missed the chunk about the lore and then jump back into like the storyline um, yeah so I'll, I'll go back and read that that sounds fun <laughs> i mean i think that would be one of my comments about the book was that the lore was often kind of like it felt like an afterthought like it was yeah. slipped in to things rather than given its own exposition whether mm-hmm. that's a chapter or like more of an in-depth conversation between characters it just felt like oh yeah there was this creator like you missed it rico like that's yeah. how and i think laura read the whole excerpt here on the podcast like there really wasn't much beyond that no and even like the mentions of different book eaters around the world those would be mentioned like in passing as a fleeting thought like oh there are some in japan but we don't know anything about them and i was like wait they're in japan like we have different nationalities potentially Mm -hmm. and like wait how do you even know that if communication's limited like if travel's difficult like i know a lot of that again is like the we only know this because at some point we were able to travel and now we can't but then you know sarah marie you bring up the religion um, aspect of it and this is where I I felt some inclination of of like manipulation and control which I didn't even like the cults like I, I don't know if you've said that yet but I mentioned it in our like pre-recording of like oh maybe they're just isolating them to control them whoever these families are are controlling the people within this group this collection of the UK or specifically English book eaters mm-hmm. Like maybe it is possible to go to Japan and they just haven't like let people do that. Maybe only select individuals. Like I don't feel like we could have gotten we could have gone deeper on this. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. with the religious connotation. I I think I was kind of like hoping that like, oh, because it was such a fleeting thought, um, I felt like there could have been something a little bit more to go in, like some sort of worship. Um, towards those creators or, oh, these are the set of rules from the creators that we were given, which could have aligned a little more with why they were isolated. Like, oh, well, we are only supposed to, uh, you know, absorb the content by eating the books. We're not actually, we don't marry into that fam or into humans. We don't breed with humans. We don't do all these things because of X, Y, Z creator said so. Um, And that wasn't in there uh, because I think that that plays along very well with, uh, like deep deep religious cultish christianity yeah i felt like there was something bigger at play mm-hmm. the, and maybe the whole point was devin is our narrator and as a woman is sheltered from what's going on in the families yeah. like she is purposely 
not told anything of what happens, is continuously lied to and manipulated and and given a false sense of control um, mm-hmm. at times, like with her children, um, in her marriages. And I just, I was like, oh, there's going to be, we somehow we're going to learn more, right? But I couldn't tell if we weren't learning because Devin was a woman or because the author didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I wasn't sure if it was like, it's too much to talk about it, so I'm not going to talk about it, or I'm intentionally doing this because Devin is a woman. It's hard to tell, because at times when she could have talked to a man like Ramsey or Jaro, they didn't offer that information to her either. They didn't have that. So I think that was a a big thing for me, was I felt like we could have gone a lot deeper in the book. Um, on some of this lore and the greater society of book eaters, which I actually thought of you, Rico, the entire time. Cause I was like, this is Rico's favorite thing. This is one of my favorite things in a book is like exploring mm-hmm. the world and really yeah. understanding how the society functions. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't really get that out of this book. And I know mm-hmm. again that our protagonist or narrator was a woman and intentionally she was kept in the dark um, to control her. But at some point she started, you know, becoming free and learning more and she still didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I don't know. And if this is a standalone book, it was just disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That that there was so much more I wanted from the book eaters as a species in that world that I was honestly kind of disappointed when there we were introduced to, to the mind eater. Because I was like, Well, I'm not done with the book eater. Like don't yeah. don't don't tell me about them yet. There's still so much more I want to know about mm-hmm. the book eater and their way of life and and what is it like for them to eat this type of book versus this type of book. And you know, they touched upon it later where where uh Jaro or or maybe Kai, someone was eating a graphic novel. And then it's like, oh, okay. So well, A, I like the fact that the author is saying that graphic novels are literature, so they're still food mm-hmm. for them. That's great. <laughs> but that that, that brought yeah. up some more, more many more questions of like, okay, so they're consuming graphic novels. But book eaters can't write. But comic or books draw. in a lot of ways are well. They didn't say that at the time. Oh, they, okay. they hadn't mentioned it yet. They they just said that they couldn't write, and so it's like, okay, well then that doesn't mean they could draw a comic book as long as there is no words in it. Ah, yes, the pacing of on, the exposition was interesting. Yes, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yes. author just gave that you little was... nuggets of information that didn't mm-hmm. come together until the end. So I had all these questions throughout the book that were later answered. Like my notes are all questions that were answered later. Later, Which is yeah. good. You answer. Um, I agree. The order and the pacing of the exposition yeah. was kind of funky. Which I think mm-hmm. I said something like when Laura was like, "This audiobook's really hard." Was like, I can see how the audiobook was really hard because there were times where I had to go back and read something again. Like, like you said, Rico, there were questions where I was like, "Wait, so they can't write? Can they draw? Can they can they type on a phone?" And then like you find out, okay, they can't type on a phone. Because that's technically writing. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would have thought it was like you know pencil to paper. Like because when were they created? Was a by context was a long time ago when there were no phones. So it was just you know a lot of questions about that. Where I was you know trying to figure it out. Like wait, how do they exist in this society without being able to write at all? Like on computers. And then you you find out later that they actually have humans in their employment. Most some of the families, not all of them necessarily. But, like, again, we didn't explore that enough either. Like, wait, who decides what humans? 
And again, I know it's because Devin was our narrator and we're learning from her perspective. So all of this is happening alongside her, but it just felt like the the order and the depth at which we went into it was lacking, which was frustrating mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how they make phone calls. How do they? T- yeah. How do they type the numbers? I mean, she had if Kai. writing. Kai can because Kai is a mind a, a mind eater. So mind eaters yeah. can. He he texts, but she called. Yeah, uh-huh. how did she? How did like, she dial? She can like you can like save a number, but I was just yeah. like, who put the number in? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Is like I know she was like, oh, I'd go to my previous calls and hit call, but mm-hmm. like, but Jar Jaro was still calling her, and Jaro's is not a mind eater. So how was he dialing her phone number? Like when you meet somebody here, put here, put your 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 number in my phone. You just give them the phone. Let them do the work. Right. But, but like, they're only she, calling each other. Yeah. Well, and she mailed him her. She got the guy to to write her phone number on a slip of paper in Morse code to Jaro. But how did Jaro put it in his phone? I don't I'd have thought about the Morse code that led me down uh, train of thought about typing and gen- texting in general. So they could mm-hmm. learn Morse code, which is not writing. It's just rhythms, tapping. right? Mm-hmm. Just tapping. You just memorize Three, ta- three dots means this, dot, dot, long means mm-hmm. this. Okay, fair enough. Remember back in the day before we had touchscreens when like the old Nokia phones had, had actual keypad? Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to press I, them? I was a whiz at texting oh, without oh, ever yeah. looking at the keys because yep. you just, you just, three, 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 like here, two dots here. Like he knew where the letters were in mm-hmm. the keypads. So mm-hmm. why couldn't they do the same? It's not. Yeah. It's not technically writing. It's just a rhythm thing. It's yeah. this three dots here, wait, a dot here, wait. Like, you could text as long as you had an old enough phone. I, like, these yeah, are the kind I, of questions I have when I read stuff like this. No, and <laughs> I, I think that's where I was confused. Like, I understood how they could talk over a phone. But it was like, wait, how can you type numbers into the phone if you can't type a text message? That doesn't – those are both – Typing into a phone. They can. They can type. It's, just, it's very good. limited. Guys, we're said, like, it's, it's, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, and I know not, that yeah. it's silly to not suspend disbelief for this small detail. But it, but at times it would have things made things more convenient. Mm-hmm. Like if she could have written her text, then she wouldn't have needed Kai to write the text, which like mm-hmm. later on becomes a problem because he's like, Hey, you're getting text messages. Who are you texting? Mm-hmm. Like, we've only been texting the the Raven Scar whatever family about drugs. So who are these people? Like, we're here with the family. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know. Look, we like to poke holes and stuff and think about stuff. But honestly, I thought the author did a really good job at answering a lot of these questions. Like, yeah. like I yes. said, I had so many questions in my notes. That were touched upon later on. I'm like, okay, good, good job. And that's mm-hmm. not usually the case when I read a lot of these books. Mm-hmm. Like when I had questions about, well, can they draw? She addresses that they can't draw because it's still a form of creativity. Like, mm-hmm. so she did touch upon a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So she did do a lot of world building and lore and- building. And and Sarah Marie, to your point, like she did create a really cool creature that I really really dig. Mm-hmm. And I'm 100 going to steal it for a D and D campaign. I've already decided. I'm going to turn this into <laughs> uh, a new race. So I don't know if you read the author's biography, but she's. I know she rolls these twenties. I know. Yeah, 
Yeah, I know. So, I might hit her up. It's like, so can you help me turn this into a race if you haven't already? <laughs> yeah, ask for notes. That would. Be There's cool. already a name, Liberal Varian. I, I dug it. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I really I really liked the attention to detail that she put into this to this race of people. Um, like they like we learn about their uh, biology is different, which yeah. was a big question I had. Was like, well, if they're humanoid then like why can't they just use a lot of the human information about fertility right mm-hmm. it's like oh because our biology is different we're going to try to adapt it but like that still requires writing and i was like oh this this makes sense why it's taking longer like yeah. this it all made sense there were like very little very few things that i had to really like nitpick like the phone numbers <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know like that that was really just more like wait i'm still confused about this can we talk about it but no, she gave us a lot of context for some of the other things, like you said, that came up in question. Like, wait, why can't they just do IVF if they're humanoid? Like, why is this a problem? Why do they not have enough women? Oh, it's because, you know, they're not really humans, I guess, which gets into the cannibalism thing, too, if we want to jump into that, whether it is cannibalism or not. Are they are they technically the same species? Or are they slight- no, Well, they are because they're born from one another. They are. Ago. Yeah, exactly. But- Rico, yeah. no, Rico. <laughs> Fight you on that. <laughs> That's their parentage. So they did yeah. come from them. Now, is it cannibalism when he eats a human's brain? I don't think so. I agree. Still frowned upon, though. I know. I was like, I don't care about technicalities on that one. They're hum- they look like humans. They're eating something that looks like them. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> but sure, on a technical level, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still, I mean, didn't vampires like it. <laughs> look like humans. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah, but that's not cannibalism. So that cannibalism, vampires. No, that's not humans. cannibalism. But I still don't like that's, it. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, the only time. Although that's true, they were descended from humans. They were just infected with a virus. Yeah. So this is true. The only time the cannibalism was ever creepy to me was when it was Kai and that's because just kids are creepy like in horror movies yes and stuff. Like yes visual of little Kai just like wrapping himself around someone's head and just sticking yeah. his biscuits in someone's ear it was like oh yes. that's like this is the gothic this. part oh, that's scary I don't care if an adult does it but the fact that a yeah. kid was doing it I'm like, oh no yeah. no, thank you. no this Perfect. is the this is the gothic part that was like this is where I felt like he was more of a incubus right is that the the yeah. male Okay. An incubus of sorts. And so this is where I was like that supernatural yet sci-fi feeling because he's technically an alien, I guess. But like this is where it felt like, I don't know, other, other. Yeah. Like, yeah. This well, also natural need. One of the, the themes throughout about Kai is that he's losing more and more of himself because of who mm-hmm. he's being. So not only is he a child that eats brains with a gigantic long tongue thingy um he's a child that has like the like the old soul but very 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 creepy because it's several of these older people and right after eating them he exhibits a lot of their traits like talking about how he wants to i wish i could go drink a beer i wish i could you know like the things that the people (laughs) used to do and i'm imagining in my head this five-year-old it makes the creepy child even more creepy. Mm-hmm. 
because he's so stoic too. Yes. It makes him so much more creepy because he is himself and somebody else and 25 other people all at the same time. It's like, like, she's like, I don't know who I'm talking to. It just was like, I just wouldn't feel comfortable. Like you just would be like, who am I with right now? Because like, there's something violating about not knowing like your son, you're fine telling certain things to you, but like, you don't want a stranger to know about like your love life or your secret plans. And it just, it feels weird that he could be somebody else. Yeah. And well, I mean, if you, if you remember their relationship was not really parent child, he didn't even call her mom. No, Devin. He ever, he ever called her that. So I, I often got caught up on the fact that it never felt like parent child Maybe not in a maybe natural way, sibling, not in a natural younger way. sibling, you know, but never felt like parent child ever. Not at all. I, I would forget sometimes. Well, it was like the, the juxtaposition of her with uh, Kai versus uh, Salem. Like with Salem, she's like, she giggles, she laughs. Like mm-hmm. I take care of her. I hold her. I sing to her. I read, I feed her fairy tales versus Kai. Like she was like, I, you know, stood away from him, like tried to get, you know, gave him redemption and hoped that he stopped being hungry for brains. Like it was a very different way of looking at him. Like mm-hmm. he was a problem that needed fixing, whereas Salem was somebody she had to protect and keep safe from Might other people. A problem, but like could be dangerous. Dangerous to her. To her yeah. To herself. Like she was like, he could eat me. For Salem, it was like other people want her for themselves. Like they want my daughter to be like a bride and like I just want to be her mom. Whereas mm-hmm. Kai, it was like, no, I don't want them to steal my son and murder him. But I'm also like my terrible mom for maybe not wanting him to be alive right now. Yeah. No. <laughs> like you just I, I agree with you. It was like she never really felt motherly towards him, other than like a it felt like obligatory, like she was supposed mm-hmm. to, because she was his, because she gave birth to him, she had to protect him and keep him alive. Not because she really wanted to, because mm-hmm. she loved him. Like she never said that to him. No. Yeah. It's just creepy. I didn't, I well, didn't like when Kai talked. She kind <laughs> of had that mindset, even when she was like prior to becoming pregnant with him, the mindset was always, I'm going to do what I have to do. And then I'm going to go get my daughter. Mm-hmm. So even, even in that whole, it, it wasn't at all like when she was pregnant with her daughter, um, that kind of like joyous expectancy, she was just like, I just need to get my stuff done. And I think that uh, she was, that's when she starts to realize with like her cousin, like, Oh, that's why she's like that. That's why we're using substance to manage you know, mm-hmm. with the drinking and, and she ends up doing that quite a bit when they're on their own. You know, something I, a question I had that I don't feel like was answered, but maybe you guys felt there was an answer to this, but how did a mind eater happen from a book eater? Like what were the conditions that led someone to have a mind eater versus a book eater? Like, I don't feel like that was ever addressed. I don't think it was. I think it was like 
well, if this happens, it's a, you know, that sucks. Let's kill them. We can only have so many children and yeah, let's kill them or they'll be, um, or turned into dragons. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I felt like that was a little bit like, can we talk about that a little bit? Or can we explore that? How do they happen? Because if you did know how that happened, would they not? I mean, obviously it's a bad thing, but if your creator who created you and you're supposed to think of this this thing or this being as the answer to everything and when your parents tell, well, this is what we were here to do and that's the only answer you get, why yeah. was there not more answered about, like, when did they suddenly decide we're going to start killing all of them? Right, and like, who decided that they were bad or should be punished or put down? Yeah. Um because I mean, because they even when Devin in the part that Laura read earlier, like they said that they were meant to sample human experience, right? Because mm-hmm. like books just give you knowledge, but mind eaters actually, um, and I think that Hester mentions this as well, like reading a book on guns, on like the mechanisms of guns and like how to yeah. shoot a firearm give you like the instructions, right? It's like reading an instruction manual. Like in theory, I now could do this, but the actual like muscle memory, practice, feeling, sight, sound, the desensitization comes from eating a mind. Yeah. Um, And that does seem important. Mm -hmm. Like in this society where they can't interact with humans and where they might need to at some point, because like they talk about how Devin is really awkward in society like she's leaving at 2 a.m to like walk her baby in a Mm -hmm. busy city and her brother's like what the hell are you doing you don't look like a normal human woman let alone yeah like with no shoes on you're six feet tall you're like this monstrosity of strength like go leave town like people are getting suspicious she's like huh what do you mean i'm just living my life like i've actually i've actually really toned it down he's like no you have not um (laughs) And this is where I'm like, maybe being a mind eater would have actually been a good thing because she could have ate the mind of a mother mm-hmm. and known how to act in that society. So I feel I feel like, and maybe this was the author's point, was that by vilifying the mind eaters, they've set themselves back as a species mm-hmm. in terms of integration with humans because they could have had that. Well, maybe that is tried. the point. I don't know. Maybe that is the point because yeah. – so much of this is about sheltering and about manipulation and not giving the right information to the children, to the society. And maybe mind eaters started to think for themselves or through others, you know, you eat the right, the wrong yeah. mind and suddenly. Yes. Very differently. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm like, I wish we had explored this a little bit more mm-hmm. because I think that could have been a really interesting book all on its own. And, like, they mentioned that the Japanese make redemption, but, like, they know nothing about how it's used or what they do with mind eaters over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I could totally see how maybe in that culture they take, like, maybe they have, like, el- humans that work for them, too, and maybe mind eaters eat, like, an elderly human at a certain point. Like, maybe once they're at a developmental stage and then a human is old enough they eat that mind and like gain that experience of the human. And that's like another way to continue on their like existence in that society. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I, but like I was exploring this. I was like, this is really interesting and really cool. I want this in the book. Tell me if I'm right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think there's levels to what the mind eater represents when you look at it through the lens of like humanity. Uh, Samarie, to your point, I think the, the, the literal idea of absorbing someone's thoughts and thinking for yourself definitely is part of it. My, my understanding of it was that the mind eater represents to humans anybody that's different, anybody that's born different and how they're looked different, looked down upon by the rest of humanity, right? Whether you're born queer, whether you're born autistic, whether you're born with a disability, what have you, you are different and you're always going to be looked at as different. Uh, but one of my favorite parts in the book was later on when Kai was talking to Devin and he was saying, you, you are a worse monster than I am. Everybody's mm, always going to look yeah. a monster, but you are a worse monster. And, mm. and Bella, you and I touched upon this on the last episode with Daughter Dr. Moreau about humans are fully capable of being monstrosities all on their own. They don't need any, <laughs> any outside like, reasoning. And I think yeah. that that's kind of what the book, for me, at least was saying that. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. this, this is a child who looks different. Who will always be different, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you, who's the you, real you monster? The ones who are judging him, you're the real monster. The ones who are justifying your 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 villainous ways, you are the monster. Mm-hmm. Well, and and to that point, there's a moment where Devin is visiting Camelot, the fortress for the the knights and the dragons, and she finds that they're they that the dragons basically live in sensory deprivation rooms, like mm-hmm. all white, you know, paneled rooms. They wear white and they're going crazy. Like these, these individuals are being driven to obedience. And Devin's like, Oh, those poor people, like those, those poor beings. And her brother's like, they're just dragons. Like, why are you, why are you feeling bad for them? And I was like, I would say that he's the worst monster. Right, because he's abusing these people, even though Devin has is going to commit more murders for her son. Like, it's pretty shitty that they do this to their own people. So, yeah, and he was one of them. You know, mm-hmm. he was taken as a child. Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the disassociation from like the whole process is crazy. Um, if you'll allow me, I want to switch gears really quickly and talk yeah. about the inclusion of video games in, in the book. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I think Samari, so yeah. okay, I think earlier you were saying how like you didn't really know what time or like what yeah. era this story took place until something happened, and that it was that for me. It may have been the same for you, but I honestly thought I was reading a gothic novel set yeah. around the gothic era until there was video games and make Willow. But this is now. Okay, cool, cool. I dig it. Um, and I thought that was such a cool inclusion because I think it's pretty rare that video games are, at least in a lot of the novels I read, unless they're specifically mm-hmm. about video games or pop yeah. culture technology, right? Yeah. To just play such, but they played such a large role of Kai always having the Game Boy and always having Mario and that kind of being his kind of security blanket in a way. And, and, uh, yeah. Their escape, and it was her escape as well. Yeah. I like that 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 parallel, and I also think that um, like having the f- friends that I have on a spectrum, this is a very common um, thing for them is to mm-hmm. is to escape into video games, and it's also like a way, kind of like watching TV or, or watching different um, interactions. You kind of learn different mannerisms from it with masking you know 
yeah, I did want to point out, I don't think we mentioned it yet, that the author is autistic. Mm-hmm. And, it, mm-hmm. and and so reading, I was wondering, I was wondering how much of this is pulled from our own experiences and mm-hmm. put into this. And so I really liked it. And it and it really kind of proves that like gothic literature isn't so much about when it takes place, mm-hmm. but the vibe and the atmosphere, right? Like you can oh, have yeah. books set now that include video games and it'd be very gothic and as long as you bring in those paranormal themes and set yeah. those atmospheric tones, like, I really enjoyed that. So, just wanted to make sure that was said. Yeah, even like the trope of like arranged marriage and like you know leaving the protagonist in the dark, you know, manipulating their environment and their information and like their per- perception of reality. So gothic, like that was like even from the description of like the bridal gown. Yeah. Right? Like she wears the same gown to her weddings. Like, oof, that felt very dark and very morbid and very gothic of somebody like to wear, you know, I, I saw it as like old Devin is dead, right? For the second wedding. Like the Devin that mm-hmm. went into marriage is, was dead. And mm-hmm. so she was wearing a dead woman's gown. Like it didn't fit her. It didn't suit her. And it was her marching into a funeral. It was just like, oof, so creepy and spooky. I like it. It felt like sci-fi gothic. I was not, yeah. was not mad about it. I think that, like, for me reading it, coming from a background where, like, deeply religious women were, there there was a, a very specific type of manipulation with women that was used in the book as well. And it's, it's the false importance of you as a creator, so to say, or a child bearer, and how that you are to base your worth on that um and how you start to believe it because that's all you've ever been told that's all you've ever uh, they focus on that from the time you are a child up into that and so you go willingly because you think that this is I'm fulfilling what I'm supposed to do I'm very special I'm and that's how she feels as a child growing up and then and then more specifically on her wedding day um, she went very willingly and she was like, this is, this is what we do. This is, and I'm a princess. I'm exactly. Yeah. I'm a princess. I'm very special. <laughs> and then that change from her wedding, her first wedding to her second wedding, man, like it, it's kind of like, I'm in several groups that are um, ex Christian and we call it deconstructing. And that was her deconstruction <laughs> was realizing that, now she's seeing it for what it is, what she's been told to dream about her entire life and how important she is. And she realizes like, this isn't enough. I'm not fulfilled. If anything, I'm, I, I don't feel like myself. I feel like I'm being like, things are being taken from me and then go like still going to the next one. But, but realizing that maybe what she based her entire life on is, is a lie. Um, and that realization is really, I, I feel like she, uh, portrayed that very well in Devon. It it was very familiar is what I should say. Yeah, it brought me to parallels of House of the Dragon that hmm. the child bed is our battlefield. Yeah. Right? Like she tells that to her daughter. Yeah. Um, and we see just how disposable the queen's life is exactly. for the prospect of a son. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it really ultimately it really is about their ability to give birth mm-hmm. to heirs in this case women are the prize because they Mm -hmm. continue the line and so it's it's different 
um, where they don't want male heirs because they have enough men, but they mm-hmm. need, they just need wombs. They just need vessels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really interesting. And there, and there's a lot of parallels throughout history. And um, I think this is where I think a review said that, you know, misogyny could be a trigger. Like, yeah, the misogynistic rhetoric is very prominent in this book, but not in a, mm-hmm. I don't think in a triggering way, I think in a really, like it's incited a lot of discussion here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I also think one of the things that I would like to point out is that, you know, the fact that she went so willingly, she knew exactly what was going to happen. I mean, she was told, okay, you have a child, you have him for a couple of years, and then you move on to your next marriage. She knew that at the very beginning. Um, but then you see throughout the story that she slowly starts to discover that maybe she's not straight. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not straight. I'm queer. But I remember in that sheltered life where literally school, church, everything, um, all of our social everything was from one place and it was religion, that the thought of me discovering that I'm not straight, like that would never have crossed my mind as a child. And it didn't, not even into my teen years. And at first I thought I was like, well, they don't really talk about it at all. And I was like, but wait, did you (laughs) when you were younger? Because that was just not an option. No, women, women and men, and that's it. And for her, it was kind of a slow progression, maybe. I don't know. And then it's kind of, she doesn't really talk about it that much. Yeah. But at least, like, in my own sheltered religious background, like, that's kind of how it is there. Like, you have this strange realization later on in life, and then you feel like maybe you don't deserve to talk about it because you're either in a straight presenting relationship or you've never well if I've never been with another woman then am I gay kind of thing um I don't know tangent but yeah no that's that's all very valid (laughs) it's very valid I I think that you know the the whole somewhat religious cultish stuff and and even even the stuff relating to her her queerness is it's also where I normally would connect to this story because Mm -hmm. I also have a very religious background very sheltered childhood and so I was able to draw a lot of parallels to my life reading this book again normally I like to see that kind of thing in books because I know that my experience wasn't just me like I'm not alone type thing but at the same time there were there were parts of it that just like kind of made me feel anxious reading the experiences the way things are described or like things that are said to her and and things like that just reminded me of how I felt growing up Mm -hmm. and so again I wasn't exactly in the best mindset reading this so I think it just kind of made me really really uncomfortable sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah but again, I still think the way that she, that she wrote this, it was still done very well because it does it explain. Yeah, yeah, it does really. It, it explains very well the different situations that she is in, and that people, specifically women, um, have been in, in terms of things like religion. Like I didn't go through things as, you know, 
terrible as Devin went through in the book, but there's just there's just different things that remind me of it. Like I I grew up thinking that I was just supposed to be a mother and mm-hmm. that the man is the head of the household, he makes the decisions, you don't argue, you know, it's no it's whatever he wants. And I did grow up in that kind of household. And so you know, when I got to my older teens into my 20s, that's when I kind of started like forming my own opinions. <laughs> I started learning other things and I was like, oh, this wasn't right for me. I, we shouldn't have done this. And, and, you know, obviously that, that changes my decisions and how I see things through, through my life. And we, it was nice to see that happening with Devin and Sarah Marie, you mentioned earlier that you just wanted to know how she got from point A to point B, like. How does she mm-hmm. go from being this super innocent, cute girl to this hardcore? I, I don't know. I think they described her as as Butch at one point. I don't. I don't know if I was like, wait, uh, what? Like she apparently I mean, there's like like, cut some, like hair, like yeah, super some, like, short rock, and like. Yeah. But like they like just her, they it just was when her brother saw her too, he was like, and Devin looking like, you know, that's what some, it was deviant or like I don't remember the words but something like that yeah they they described her as just not feminine anymore yeah so yeah yeah, Devin going from this princess to yeah being this like they describe her as monster you know she's helping to bring her son to or bring people to her son and stuff like that like she is doing things that are not good but you're you wanting you're wanting to see. I was wanting to see, like how she got to this point where she's making these yeah. really difficult decisions and doing these things that she never would have done before. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing things like that. I'm just saying it's nice to see the progression <laughs> between <laughs> between like a super More innocent like, for legal kind of person. This is a joke. <laughs> well, murder was committed at any point. I, I just don't like to see have a child the, the, that eats brains. The changes. How does somebody get from that to that? The changes. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like we need to we need to read what's his name? Amarinder Patel's book. Is that his name? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. It sounds like that needs to be published. I would love to read that book. That actually seemed very That's interesting. That's what I want. And that's where I was like, hey, Devin, you've got this guy who literally knows everything about book eaters now. Go learn about the things. Ask more questions so I can know the answers. That fictional book is what I thought this book was going to be. Yes, me too. That's what I thought. I didn't know we were going to solely focus on Devin and her kid, which was a nice story. But I'm very like, I really like this species of creature or whatever alien it I don't grow. Know. It, she could i mean she could take this in a lot of directions we yeah. could get a sequel she, called mind eaters she actually saying. did say i think on goodreads that this is a standalone book however she would like to revisit the universe in the future okay. and write about some someone else give me japan tell me about that yeah <laughs> Because I have a lot of questions. I'm like, I could totally see that being completely different. And I would like to know more. And I would like it to focus on the society and less on like a family. Because 
I have a lot of questions about book eaters and mind eaters. And because yeah. I missed it, did they say at all when book eaters <laughs> first started? They, like they didn't the give a year. Out? They no. didn't give a year. Just uh, like thousands it, of years ago. Yeah, it. Uh, one of the one of the excerpts in in front of or at the beginning of a chapter said something about how there's different mentions throughout history. Yeah. That may or may not apply to book eaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Logistically, like, are you going to eat the hieroglyphs off of, you know, are, are I was thinking that stones? too. Like, Ask their aliens. What did they do before paper? Maybe, wait, maybe they were called stone lickers before. Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds like an insult. Oh, wow. How dare you? <laughs> you stone licker. <laughs> maybe that's why cave paintings are a little smudgy. Maybe that's why it has nothing to do with time and erosion. It has everything to do with stone liquor. All right. I mean, I'm saying is if, I, if I had to choose between being a stone a stone liquor and a book eater, I think stone liquor would have more flavor. Really, you wouldn't want to taste the comics that you read. Oh, they're pretty. No, I'm just saying. Uh, no, paints back in the day, like minerals or stuff in there. I mean, be it would flavor. have been based off like berries, yeah, but, but also they're also, like, they're also toxic. Some of them yeah, are toxic. Rico. So. Idiot. No, just, oh, okay. Uh, so people can mean. eat Sorry. Sorry. books, but can't handle toxic. That was a joke for anyone listening. Rico is not an idiot. <laughs> the, it's, it's, I want to get canceled. You just brought up the, the taste. <laughs> Please. Please. I, I wanted to. I have a question. If you could eat any book, what would it be? Oh my god! I would eat a cookbook. Ooh, that's then maybe I could taste. That's the actually a good idea. That's a really good idea. Mm. I don't have an answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> what you yeah, I was gonna be. Like, I, was gonna say, I don't know. You know, everybody <laughs> listening, which book would you eat? Please let us yeah. know. Tell us in the comments. <laughs> What book would you That's eat? a good question. I didn't think it was. No, while I was reading this book, though, I kept having this, like, weird sensation of, like, thinking of eating paper. Like, when you were a kid, like, you had that mem- that weird memory of, like, well, yes. I, ate- I kept having that throughout the entire book. And I was like, that yes. doesn't sound good. No, and, like, when she mentioned the, like, uh, petroleum taste of, like, you know, glossy textbooks and stuff like that. Yeah. Plastic. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can taste that because I remember, like, if you ever had to, you know, like when you rip something and you fold it and then you lick it to like mm-hmm. make it more terrible. I was like, ugh, I can taste it, or like what stamps might taste like, um, or uh, envelopes, like the sticky glue. Ugh. I was like, I can see why she would eat ketchup with that. Wait, you bring yeah, you bring that up reminds me that that part triggered me because she's eating it like a burrito and they're putting ketchup on it. And people who put ketchup on their burritos, ugh. that's wrong. I don't. I don't know who you're talking about. So, hmm, hmm. Uh oh. So that that was a trigger warning for me. How dare you? I mean, I thought I, that was pretty funny. Put ketchup on it. Anything that's with funny. eggs, I would put ketchup on. That's, that's how I could fine. eat eggs for a really that long time. That sounds terrible. Okay? I, I like liked, eggs. I liked how in this book, I'm though, <laughs> they how they describe certain books. Or like the flavors yes. that they get. Yes. That that one time when they said that they was see the winter fields, they made their their books and their paper look like human food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So like they had roast meat made of sculpted paper, 
pages dyed in a multitude of colors and shaped into delicate fake fruit. Uh, they made a salad out of shredded pages of Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, were yeah. Dyed green. <laughs> yes. But it was interesting, like, how they described certain things. So, like, it said, um, well-crafted romance novel, complex, sweet, and a little stinging. So I thought that was kind of cool, a little creative in, in how she would describe certain genres. Yes. Um, it made me start thinking about, like, you were – imagining like what paper tasted like I was like I wonder what this book would taste like if I were a book eater like listening to like my romance novels I was like huh maybe this would taste like what rain smells like you know like maybe it would make me think of that sort of like thunderstorm in England grassy fields like and then I was like I just want to be in England It's so hot in Sacramento. It's 100 degrees. Please take me to I have have two thoughts. You know who would do uh, books as food really well? Japan. That's why I want to know about the book eaters in Japan. And books would be so freaking cute. It would be scented. They would be scented and flavored. The nicest origami paper. Yes. Like. So, like their stuff would be delicacies for sure. The rice paper alone, like, because you can't eat rice paper. That's that's mm-hmm. a thing. Rice paper candy, and so like, imagine mm-hmm. books tasting like that, like delicious. Who wouldn't be a book eater? There will be a lot of ceremony around it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I was, the I ink was tea, like, ink tea ceremonies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sunyi, right. please give that to us. All I right. need it. I'm moving to book eaters Japan, and then my second thought. Sarah Marie, I have, a, I have an answer for you. The book I would eat is the first deluxe edition of the Sandman comic books. Which is this it giant, just tastes like, like sand. That really big one. It's like a really big bucks. one. It's real thick, leather bound, super pretty. But it it's just like leather and sand. You're vegan. Story. I'm a book eater in this scenario. It doesn't matter. Um, <gasps> what would it taste like? What do you Trees have like lives. Cream. It would taste just like so many different stories. Those comics are all over the place. It's just beautiful stories and horror and fantasy and good to know your veganism dies with your humanity rico exactly yeah (laughs) yeah and yeah and i realized with that answer this episode is basically sponsored by the sandman now on netflix go watch the sandman yeah i know (laughs) seriously i was like do you work for the show (laughs) hey i would be i'd be fine with that we, Did we, you actually produce the Audible of Sandman? <laughs> oh yes, I thought it was really good. The it's sound so good. was oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually listen. Rate it five stars. I actually have a friend who was part of the company that helped with the color correction on this show. Fancy. I didn't know they had separate companies for that. That's yeah. The more you know, man. Anyways. <laughs> All right, we're getting off the rails, so let's just maybe wrap it up. <laughs> so this book on Goodreads has an average rating of 3.99, so about four, out of a little over 1,800 ratings. Um, again, this just came out, so there's not too that many yet. Change, yeah. Sarah Marie, we're doing a different rating system now. Oh. Would you say that this book is shit? Or the shit. <laughs> <That's different. laughs> um, the shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jason? Yeah, I would say it's the shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the shit. If it was about Book Eaters Japan, it would be the shittiest. <laughs> Oh, that, that, no, that the most work shit. The, no. the most shit. That's, I don't. I don't know if that's, that's how. I don't works. know. I think it's uh, the shit if it got you that interested in a, a continuation. Yeah. 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 I would. I would say, even though I didn't always have the greatest time with this book, I would say it's the shit. Yeah. 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 Cool. So we're all in agreement. <laughs> wow, that might be a first. <laughs> I think this new <laughs> binary system makes for a lot more consensus. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, you have to really not like it to be like, I came into this deciding ahead of time that I was going to say shit because of just (gasps) I I just didn't always have a very good time. But oftentimes talking through with you guys Mm -hmm. sometimes will change my mind. So I agree. I think we did it. Favorable view of the book now after talking about it with you guys. (laughs) We're influencers now. Oh yes. Well, Rico already was. Watch Sandman on Netflix. Well, Sandman, episodes on Netflix. Out now. Sandman. Yeah. Everybody watch it. Like great. ASAP. We need more people watching it so that we can get I need season, a season two. two. Oh my god. It's, it's worth on my it. list. I'll get to it. It's so thing. worth it. I've been reading a lot. Okay. Okay. Well, just to just before we close out, I would love to know what you guys are gonna read next. Um I am securing the UK edition of Babel to read next and his dark materials because I was told to read those and I started them way back when and I'm gonna get his back into materials. it since I've been yeah his dark materials the it's a HBO show now like Golden Compass there's other ones too that's um, like Emma's favorite yeah I was like I've heard it recently from somebody else okay I think Emma brought it up um in our pre-episode discussion last time yeah, just reading like crazy, reading every day. So I don't know. Um, I was recently recommended The Girl with Seven Names. Um, I do not know how to pronounce the author's name. Uh, <laughs> but it's about a woman who defected from North Korea, but accidentally. I don't know. Um, oh. But the person who recommended it to me, I, I like everything that she recommends, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I'm going to kind of go in blind, aside from what she told me, the whole North Korea defecting thing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Jason? Plot twist, uh, they eat brains in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Oh, no. Um, well, I had already mentioned I'm making my way through the Sandman universe comics. I still have a few more to go on those. But then the next book I'm going to read is uh, The Wizard's Ward. Uh, we had an author reach out to us. Uh, she just published her first novel a couple months ago. Um, I'm probably going to butcher her last name. I'm super sorry. Her name's Jules McLeese, I think might be the last pronunciation. M-C-A-L-E-E-S-E. Um, but it is a uh, an epic young adult fantasy franchise. Super mm-hmm. cute cover. And uh, yeah, I'm probably going to read that and do a quick little review video on that when i'm done but i'm pretty excited to start that nice cool i'm probably gonna read a prayer for the crown shy by becky chambers it's the second novella of the monk and robot series that i mentioned earlier Mm. Um, again another another novella so it'll be a quick read i'm not sure what i'll do get to after that but i'm looking forward to this one okay well this was fun yeah 
Sarah Marie, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Is there is there uh, any social media people can find you at or any any anything you'd like to plug? Um, nothing currently. My the best social media for me is my Instagram, Art by Sarah Marie. All right. We'll, give her well hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Um, if anybody has read this uh, this book, the book Eaters, we would love for you to let us know what you thought. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and we are also on TikTok now. We are at Shit We've Read. And hopefully we will catch you guys next month. We are going to be reading The Kaiju Preservation Society by John Scalzi and uh, Sir Aaron Carter of the Bilo Network and podcast Before You Log Off is going to be joining us for that episode. So that'll be that'll be fun too. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, also, thank you, Bella and Jason, for being on another episode. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're it was my really arm. a tough decision. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I made it. Um, I will not be on the next episode because I will be getting married. So that is right. Yes. Yeah. I that that's, that's so amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm ready to be done with planning. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Thank you everyone and thank you for all of our listeners and we will see you guys next month. See ya. Bye. 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 Shit We've Read is hosted by Laura Benson, Jason Rico, and Bella Romero, with music by Joshua Chilton and editing by Jason Rico. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information about us or to request transcripts, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. 